Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to Beth Wilkinson, the editor and creative director of Lindsay Magazine. Lindsay was a new launch this year, and as Beth explains, it's often categorised as a travel magazine, but she gave it a broader brief than that, and the stories tend to look deeper into the culture and heritage of places, rather than focusing purely on the experience of travel. She's based in Melbourne and the magazine ranges far and wide all around the world. It has a particular focus on Australia for this first one and and engages with some of that country's more difficult history. But it also has a real lightness of touch that sees it playing with stories like the art and history of pickling or geeking out with real almanac style content that fastidiously lists the top exports from every country around the world. I recorded this one in June this year when Beth was visiting London and issue two is actually due out in the next few weeks so I wanted to get this episode up as the first in our autumn season of podcasts. I'll be back at the end with more on those upcoming episodes and some listener feedback but first I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Beth Wilkinson from Lindsay Magazine. Hey Beth, thank you very much for stopping in at Somerset House. Thanks for having me. A mere what, twenty-five hours from home? Yeah, I, th- I think about I think about that <laughs> far. Um, the time we had a little stopover in Singapore, and then um, arrived in London just yesterday morning. So. All right, well, very nice to see you here. So you you are the editor and creative director of Lindsay magazine, yes. mm-hmm. and you're based in Melbourne most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. So maybe tell us a bit about what is this magazine and why are you here at the moment? Sure. So Lindsay, we launched online a bit over a year ago and then launched our first print issue in March this year. And essentially it's a magazine that is dedicated to really understanding and celebrating different cultures and places around the world so it's funny it's one of those magazines that's quite often clumped in the travel section but I don't consider it as a travel magazine at all even though I understand why people would do that Um, but it's as you flick through the stories there's not really any stories in there that are telling you where to go and eat or anything like that it's much more really about understanding yeah the identity and the histories of places so um, I mean I think a really good example of that is one of the pieces that explores how the Aboriginal game Mangrook um, potentially influenced um, what we know today as Australian rules football and yeah perfect example that's not a piece that tells you to come to Australia and go watch a footy match although you might consider it if you did that but it's equally as interesting whether you live in Victoria, whether you live somewhere else in the world, just to read about that history. Totally. I mean, I, so I, I really, okay, I really like rugby. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I know very little about Aussie rules football, mm-hmm. but reading that piece, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, but I, I literally had no idea yeah. that, that, like, this is how the game actually grew up and the cultural resonances in that. Well, a lot of people in Victoria and Melbourne who are, you know, avid football followers wouldn't know that. So mm-hmm. I think it's something there is starting to become a lot more talking about it. But um, yeah, I think there are so many things like that around the world where we perhaps are really interested, but we don't really know them to that level. So that's really what Lindsay is all about. 
it's, it's interesting that you say that the magazine is often seen as a travel magazine because mm-hmm. that's like one of the first things that I think registers is the fact that it is so international. Like you, you've mm-hmm. really got stories from all over the place. Mm-hmm. How did you go about? I mean, I, you know, I'm assuming that this isn't you, you know, traveling off to all these different places. So yeah, how, how do you go about? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you go about finding those stories? Um, it's really, I guess, I see. The process of making Lindsay probably similar to other magazines, but um, in that it's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle and you sort of start with one piece, which is usually at the centre, and then I sort of work my way out. And because we're not so specific in the type of content that we publish, we really want to explore places from all different facets. So sport, food, business, art, um, that, and then all different places and also through different mediums, so through text or through imagery. So, you know, it's quite hard to get that right mix of different places and different topics. So we start with one piece and then as we start to work out, it'll be like, okay, well, we haven't got anything on Africa yet or we haven't got anything, you know, in this country or we don't have any, it's feeling a bit too heavy on arts and culture. So let's try and what can we balance that out with? So it kind of works its way out like that. Um, I have a pool of international contributors who I work with. So I have some who are regular contributors and it's really great now. We've got like quite a good relationship and I have a few photographers who are always traveling. And so now they just shoot me an email if they're going somewhere and then I look at, you know, what issues we've got coming up and if there's something that we could do there. So that's really nice. And then I will then fill those other gaps with, say, finding someone who's like, a specialist maybe a writer who is really interested in researching a particular topic and so they might just come on board for just that one piece and then in terms of the sort of brief that you're giving to people it, it strikes me you've mentioned the Aussie rules football piece mm-hmm. already so you're looking at the history of how this game grew up from the people who were originally there in Australia and how mm-hmm. that was taken on it feels like history and a, a sense of stuff that has gone before is very important to this magazine. Mm. You mentioned in the introduction, in the editor's letter in the first issue, um, this magazine's named after your grandfather. Mm-hmm. What's the importance for you of that sense of heritage? What does that bring to the magazine? Um, I think it's just heritage is such an important part of place. You know, every place has such strong histories. And I, you know, part of the, some of the pieces will be, more rooted in their history and some sort of looking forward to the future but I think you can't really look at anything even that's happening now without looking at what's come before it and when I was starting the magazine I really wanted to make it a publication that was celebratory and I've had to think a lot about what that means because a lot of stuff that has happened before isn't necessarily something that's worth celebrating and yet it's not something that I want to avoid. So it's been really hard to work out what stuff do you put in and what stuff do you leave out. And I think what I've, I actually changed the byline of the magazine to rather than it originally it was going to be understanding and celebrating places and cultures. And then I've changed it to uh, celebrating the importance of culture and place. So rather than celebrating everything that is in there, it's just celebrating the important role that cultures and places play but also acknowledging the complicated histories that a lot of places have. And so while we wouldn't generally have, yes, say something that we, you know, 
deem as tragic that's happened in history as a center of a piece if that's something that needs to be acknowledged and spoken about in order to better understand what the writer is focusing on then i think that that's really important to include in the piece and i mean so you're speaking as an australian clearly and so there are very like obvious cultural resonances there you, mm-hmm. the the last word in the magazine is given to i'm going to give i'm going to try this the last word is twagging yeah i think i think it's similar i'm probably not going to do much better um with pronunciation but I yeah I, for every issue actually so we've only got one issue at the moment so you can't see that but in every issue <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> that I will do a different language um, bookending the magazine with hello and goodbye um, so yeah the magazine for the first issue opens with Womanjenka which um, is the traditional is welcome for the traditional language of the Warundri people which is they're the traditional owners where I'm based in Collingwood in Melbourne where I make Lindsay and um yeah i guess australia's history is you know yeah we have a pretty dark past and that's coming coming to like i think people are starting to talk about that more and i think it's something that definitely because our we're based in melbourne um in australia aboriginal history is something that i really do want to be able to talk about that in in the magazine and i think importantly i mean you know you're you are engaging with this as a serious issue but you're also having fun with it. I mean, just the, you know, like having hello and goodbye mm. at the start and end of the magazine seems to me just a very nice magazine-y little touch. So you can yeah. nod to this thing without, yeah, I guess getting completely bogged down in, in it. Yeah, exactly. And we did this great piece last year online, which was um, during NADOC week, which is a week to sort of recognise the important role that Aboriginal culture plays in Australia and um, each year they do a different theme and last year's theme was our languages matter and so uh, we commissioned an Aboriginal artist and she did these beautiful paintings and we took five words also um, in the native language in where we're based because there are so many different languages in Australia but um, and she sort of did a visual representation and wrote the name in English and then also the traditional language um and that just piece just went so viral on Facebook when we shared it because it really resonated with people it was a really easy way to go here are five different words and this is how you say swim this is how you say hello this is and yeah I think everyone was like yeah this is crazy that we don't know much about these languages and they're under threat and um yeah I think it is it's it's thinking of those sort sort of perhaps ways that translate better editorially to educate people about those issues speaking of translating editorially um tell me about the art and history of pickling because this is something that if if someone had said to me okay i'm going to tell you all about now the history of pickling stuff Mm. i think i might say i'm all right actually i'm okay with that (laughs) yeah i just eat the pickles but it's really interesting that so tell me like why is this story right for lindsay um, I think, again, it is that thing of many of us have probably tried pickles from different places. Um, and I think it's really interesting with food to see how different things have evolved in different places. Food is obviously such an important part of culture. Uh, when one of my writers pitched the idea to me, we sort of spoke a lot about what sort of stuff we would want to include and how we would want that to, to come together. And I even, when I read her first draft of the piece, I could not believe the stuff that she had discovered. And it's so interesting. 
And a lot of it, um, as you would have read, was came about by accident and um, you know, it was people supposedly like hiding cabbages so that they didn't want them to be, you know, stolen and um, people, yeah, trying to revive things and, you know, just leaving them in too long by accident. And then, so I think it's pretty fascinating to think how those things have evolved and then become such a important part of certain cultures. And I think that the, the real skill for you in using that is that you manage to make this brilliantly idiosyncratic magazine where on the turn of the page, you're just really not quite sure what you're going to get next. Mm. And yet it all holds together as mm. this. It feels like a particularly magazine-y thing mm. to be able to do. You also have like a real sort of almanac um, bit in there of just like a spread with um, the largest exports mm. by country. Mm. No no frills, no illustration, mm. literally just a list of, is it every country in the world? Yes. Well, that's debatable. There are a lot of <laughs> heavily debated countries and that was very hard to come up with that list and I think we're even going to make an edit for issue two. But yeah, it's, there's not really one list out there that you can kind of, you know, is everyone equally agrees these are all the countries at the moment. So, but yeah, supposedly every country and then yeah their largest export which again it is it's been a piece that has resonated particularly well with people and I think it is that thing you know we called it world trivia and I like the idea that this is something and a lot of people do this they pick the magazine up and they instantly want to like quiz someone and go you know what do you think it would be for Ghana or for Australia especially if your own country you're like you know, is that going to be the largest export? And people, there are some in there that you go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then there are some that are quite surprising. But I, I love the way that you've been so restrained with it. And you've literally just like, I mean, you've, you've fitted these number of countries very neatly on two pages. And mm-hmm. the like. actually the interest in that piece mm-hmm. is just like spending a few minutes going through, having a look. You know, you, you could have, I guess commissioned an illustrator to like sort of to like visualize Mm. this or Mm. you could have like run it over more pages and pulled stuff out Mm. why like what was the instinct that made you say this is just going to be super compressed that it's going to speak for itself Mm. I think I think it's probably I think with the magazine in terms of like design the whole piece so I did the design myself for the magazine and my background is in graphic design but I've always been equally as interested in the writing side of publications and I think when I started piecing it together structure and flow was a really important part of that and I really like this idea of having these pieces that are a bit more bite-sized and pieces that are more in-depth and long form and you can sort of either read it from start to finish or you can come in and out and I liked the idea of having something I really like sort of the design of textbooks and yeah publications that are very type-based and I liked this idea of having it not overly complicated and in fact I think the whole magazine is pretty stripped back um I've tried to keep it like that because yeah I don't really see this as a magazine that is trying to push some you know crazy design I don't know boundaries of what a magazine can be like I want it to be really comfortable to read I want it to be beautiful to look at but super super functional and so with everything that I did I really tested you know I don't want anyone to have to flip a page because the type is runs vertically or that and I think you know for the exports the purpose of the piece is to literally know what 
the largest export of that country is. And I don't think an illustration adds to that. I think it probably would detract in many ways. So I think it was really about like, what's the purpose of this piece and how is that best going to be best communicated? Well, well the whole thing comes off as a, a very assured and accomplished first issue. Oh, and I think it's very nice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's <laughs> very nice to hear from someone who works with magazines all the time. <laughs> okay. It's probably worth saying that, so this is not your first magazine making experience. So you were previously a Frankie as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that there's actually something of what Frankie does very well in this here as well, in terms of like that kind of breadth and, and range. Mm. Like, what was your experience there? What were you doing with those guys? Um, so my role was as editor assistant so it was pretty broad it was actually my first ever proper full-time job um so I feel really lucky to have worked with them and uh they were surprisingly small at the time um this was nearly 10 years ago now and I think it's a common misconception that magazines have these huge teams that are putting these things together obviously a lot of them have contributor base so that Um, I guess helps out but a lot of the time they're really small teams so at that stage there when I joined them there was only two full-timers and um, I they were in different cities and so I moved up to Queensland to work with the creative director Lara Burke who now does Lunch Lady Um, and I think the biggest part of that experience I mean there were so many things that I got out of that but the biggest part was just working alongside Lara and she was very inspirational and Um, I can remember on perhaps my first day she showed me how they wrap the magazines for gifts and she had this very specific method and I think that's something that's really stuck with me because I have these really you know these specific things that I like to do with Lindsay and sometimes I think I'm a bit obsessive by telling (laughs) someone else and and I always think back to that and go it's okay like that's how that's what people do in this area like if you really love something I can remember her um literally hand cutting the corners of some of these gift cards she had because she loved rounded corners and they obviously didn't have the budget to get rounded corners so to special people that she sent them to she literally like hand cut them and that's why Frankie did so well and um you know has done so well and I think that yeah it you learn that it's okay to have that sort of attention to detail and that's what makes them, I guess, that bit more special. So you've now got your own magazine out mm-hmm. there in the world. So the first issue came out earlier this year. Mm-hmm. When can we expect issue two? Uh, the start of October, hopefully, all going well. So, yeah, it'll definitely be a twice-yearly magazine um, and the idea will be, yeah, sort of around the March-October um, sort of period each one will come out. Excellent. Well, um it's a fantastic start and Thank I'm you. really looking forward to seeing where it goes next. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, that's all for this week. Thanks again to Beth for stopping in to share her launch story and watch out for issue two coming soon. You can get updates on that and buy copies of issue one by going to lindsaymagazine.co. And thanks also to Kristen Harris, who is a listener who's been in touch via email to say how much she enjoyed the episodes with Magazine Blueprint and Courier. 
like lots of our listeners, Kristen is involved in making a magazine herself. And she contacted us to say that she wanted to hear more stories about people making a business of their magazine rather than running it as a passion project that costs them money in perpetuity. That last bit is her words. Kristen, I couldn't agree more. So keep listening and we'll definitely be touching on the business side of things in the coming weeks. And if you're listening to this and you have something you want to tell us about the podcast, please do let me know. My email address is steve at stackmagazines.com and I love to hear from listeners. Email me. Okay, final thanks go to you for listening all the way through to the end of this one. Thank you for that. And we'll be back with another episode next week.